doing this thing in a corner. He has brought his people together and his body together all over the world. And he's told people since March the 22nd, be still and seek my face. On March the 22nd, the Lord spoke in a prophecy and told us, said you go into 30 days of intense or fervent prayer and you seek my face for the unity of the Spirit. You seek my face for the restoring of the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And you cry out to me to be prepared for the latter rains of the Holy Ghost, which are now going to begin to fall. So if you haven't hearkened to the word of the Lord, I feel sorry for you. But there are people that have hearkened to the word of the Lord. They put themselves into a time of seeking God in prayer and study of the word. And we have intently sought the Lord. I had something happen to me last night in prayer that I've only experienced a few times, and it was years ago, but I I felt like the Spirit of God in me was fighting to possess something in God. It wasn't my inward man. It wasn't my soul. It was the Spirit of God. It was coming out of me so forcefully. I was speaking in tongues, and it was just like a force was driving the Spirit of God out of the very depths of my soul, and I was fighting to lay hold of what God has set before us. And the only thing I can tell you is the Scripture came to me that the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent will take it by force. We want this kingdom and this move of God that God has set before us. We will fight for it. And I felt the very Holy Ghost in me last night fighting to lay hold of what God is doing in the earth right now. And all I can tell you, there are people that this situation, this plague has had no effect on spiritually. All they're doing is just coasting along, waiting for everything to get back to normal. Well, I got news for you. It ain't going back to normal. God has changed the order of the church. God's been telling us for four years that he is changing the order of man, changing the course of man and the earth. In 2018, he gave my wife a vision of a course correction uh, for the church. You can uh, go to our YouTube channel and watch it there. Uh, she put it on about uh, a week ago, so you can listen to it. But God has definitely changed the order of the church. And when we come out of this, there will be no going back to what you call normal. There will be no normal, as you say it, in God, because God is changing things. He's moving in a completely different manner. And I know there's some of you, you you satisfied, you content where you are in God. There's some of you, you're just going to drift along. But there's a few that are hungry and got a thirst and a cry down in their souls and we are wanting God to reveal his kingdom and reveal the Christ in us. And I'm telling you, you few that are uh, got this desire for God, you will be spiritually, mentally, and doctrinally changed in these next few days if you keep pressing on God. I mean, things are coming into being and into focus and God is revealing his word. In a manner that I've never seen it. And God's not going to move us into a new season. He's not going to move us into a new thing under old doctrine and old teaching. 
Now, you can get that out of your mind right now. So what you know is God. And I, I've been telling people this for uh, ever since probably early 2000s. What you know to be God and what you've known is God. When God changes things, it's not going to be like you've known and it's not going to be what you've known. And not, God's not going to move in the manner that you've known him to move in. You're going to have to find him in a brand new way. It's just like when uh, Moses died. The Lord spoke to Joshua, and I had this vision in 98. I've related it many times, but uh, you go to the first chapter of Joshua, first verse, and the Lord spoke to Joshua and said, Moses, my servant, is dead. And when he spoke out to Joshua, I saw Joshua turn. He was standing on the banks of Jordan. I saw him turn and look at the tabernacle. And everywhere they set the tabernacle up, the pillow of cloud was on it in the day, the pillow of fire was on it by night. But when Joshua looked at that pillow of that tabernacle, that pillow of cloud was not there. It was never seen again. It was never mentioned in the scriptures again. So here Joshua was and followed that pillow of cloud and that pillow of fire for 40 years. He had followed the word of Moses for 40 years and everything Joshua knew to be God was gone. Everything that you depended on Put your faith and your trust in this. Become like tradition and doctrine to you. It will now be gone and you will learn to find God in a brand new way. You will learn to find God in a different way. You will learn to hear his voice. Because when God led Joshua and the children of Israel across, across Jordan, pillar of cloud didn't go before. Pillar of fire didn't go before. The priests put the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. And when they stepped into the brink of Jordan and uh, their feet, Touched them waters. The waters rolled back and they followed the ark across Jordan. And the Lord told them, said, you stay back 2,000 cubits. Well, a cubit's about 18 inches, according to all I can find out. Said, so you stay back 2,000 cubits and you watch this ark and you watch them priest and you watch the movement of my spirit because you've never passed this way before. Where God has taken us now, we have never passed. This way before. And God's been telling us that for probably seven or eight years now. You've never passed this way before. So we're going into something new. We're going into something different. God is moving by the power of his spirit in a realm we've never walked in. And uh, I printed up some notes. I don't know how many of you out there uh, have received them or had the opportunity to receive them. Uh, but if you haven't, you want them, you email us, I'll send them to you after service today. But I feel like this word is very, very important. But I'm going to go to page one of our notes, and I'm going to start there. And the Lord told us back on April the 25th, 2019, which is almost a year ago, uh, we were in a meeting in uh, Thomaston, Georgia, with Brother Buddy Williams at his church down there. We just went there three days of prayer. We invited preachers, but, you know, uh, people want to come preach. They want to come fellowship. They want to come to camp meetings and eat and talk, but you can't hardly get people to pray. So there probably uh, wasn't a half a dozen of us, if even a dozen, in those three days of prayer and seeking God down there. But on a Thursday night, on April the 25th, about 15, 20 minutes in that prayer, the Spirit of the Lord fell on me, and God began to speak. And he spoke about the restitution of all things. And it's found in, uh, I'm going to read from Acts 3, and I'm probably going to read verses 19, 20, and 21. 
Uh, and I'll just go ahead and read that. Repent ye therefore and be converted. That word converted means to be changed. That your sins may be blotted out when the times, that word there means years, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. He shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of the years of the restitution are the restoring of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Now, uh, when God spoke that in that prophecy, and I've told you where to find it, I printed it, and you can go to sermon.net. Uh, it's an app you download on your phone. You can go to World Revivals and look that up by the date of 2019-04-25, and it'll bring it up. You can listen to that prophecy. It's probably 15 minutes or so long. But the Lord spoke in that prophecy about the restitution of all things, and then he said, I have told you about this, and he said, this night you enter into the beginning of the restitution of all things. So God has started restoring us back to the faith, to the ministry, to the offices, to the authority, and the government that he sent the church up in the day of Pentecost. God's taking us back to what he done. God don't have to start another church. He's going to restore the one he started. Y'all want God to do something to please you. God ain't going to please you. God ain't going to try to please you. And God ain't going to set things up where you'll be satisfied with it. You know, people uh try to find a church today. They go, they go test out a church. They don't pray and ask God for leadership or direction where to go to church. They go test it out where they like the pastor, where they like the congregation, where they like all the programs they have for their kids, where they like the spirit in the church. Let me tell you something. You can, uh, you can find churches that are rich in programs to entertain you and your kids, but they don't have a word and they don't have a work into the spirit to feed your soul. And what you wind up doing is getting your kids hooked on the world. You better watch yourself when you make up your mind to, uh, Go out and shop for a church is what I call it. You better be on your knees praying, Lord, where do you want me? Where do I belong? Where are you going to put me that I'll be under the word so the working of your spirit, the gift and the anointing will get fed and it'll be able to grow and come to pass in my life. It ain't just going to church and finding a good church. It's being where the Lord has ordained you to be. We've got the bad spirit on us now about wanting to be where it's satisfactory to our flesh. But anyway, uh, late last night, the Lord began to speak to me uh, out of the book of Joel, chapter 2. And I'm going to go there now, and I'm going to read verses 23 through 25. And he said, Be glad then, ye children of, of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately. Now the former rain is the is the Holy Ghost that fell at the day of Pentecost in my understanding. So here he says he's already given it to you moderately or in a measure. And he will cause to come down for you the rain, which is the dispensation we're under now. 
was probably three or four years ago, maybe longer, the Lord began to deal with me. There's three dispensations of the rain. There's the former rain, the rain, and the latter rain. We've had the former rain on the day of Pentecost. That lasted probably 100, 150 years if it lasted that long. Then we went under the dispensation of the rains, which has brought us the Azusa Street Revival, the Revival in Wales with Evan Roberts, the healing revivals in the 50s, and there's been some other uh, men of God have come forth uh, under the rain, but we've never experienced the latter rain of the Holy Ghost. So there's no precedent for it. But the latter rain of the Holy Ghost, to me, is the fullness of the Christ, the resurrected Christ, being revealed and made manifest in our mortal flesh right here on this earth, not up in heaven. So, uh, he, he said here, he has, he had given you that past tense, hath given his past tense. That means he's already given you the former rain moderately or in a measure, but said, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former and the latter rain in the first month. Well, the first month, of the Jewish calendar is our April. And what the first month means is winter's over. You're going into spring. Uh, you're going into new life. You're going into uh, all the deadness and dryness of the winter being behind you. And it's a new beginning. So for years, uh, back in 97, the Lord talked to me about having meetings in April. And I took the scripture and I thought somewhere, man, God's just going turn things upside down and, and move and say in, in April. But the Lord spoke to me in July 2015. He said, he said the first month is a type of a new beginning. He said, it's when I start things all over anew. So God has begun something in his spirit. He spoke to me on November the 12th, 2017. He said, I've begun a new move of my spirit in the earth. So God has been preparing us for this, but now there's something that God is doing that uh, we need to get a hold of it, children, and we need to shake ourselves, whatever we need to do. We need to be in fervor and intense prayer asking God, God, what do I do? Teach me. Talk to me. Show me what to do. Help me lay hold on this. And uh, if you go on down with this, he said, and the floor shall be full of wheat, and the vat shall overflow with wine and oil. Y'all know good and well, there's been no working of the Spirit. There's been no word to feed people's souls. People literally are starving to death in the majority of churches. And uh, about all that goes on, if there are a church that believes in the moving of the Spirit, and the working of the Holy Ghost is is jerking and shouting and dancing and people getting hands laid on them so they'll uh, feel what they call the Holy Ghost. They get emotional and cry and carry on. And then they walk out the door and say, Woo, my God, we had church. And ain't one thing changed. Ain't one thing happening in anybody's soul to help them. It's a, it's a spirit of religion people's got caught up in and they know deep down inside they're starving to death. They don't know what to do. Just like when this pandemic hit, this plague come on the earth, people supposed to believe in God got scared to death. Scared to death is going to starve to death. Scared to death they uh, wasn't going to come through this. Scared to death. Uh, there's still still people scared to death are going to die from this plague. You're supposed to believe in the power of the Holy Ghost and the healing power of God. And they're still walking in fear 
People still walking in darkness. They're still walking around, not knowing what to do. But I'm going to tell you, those of you that listened to the word of the Lord that came to you on 322 of this year, when God spoke to me about this thing, everybody was hollering, oh, this is the devil. This is the devil. Let's get in prayer. Let's go to God in prayer. Let's gather together in the churches and pray that God will move this thing. Let's get in prayer and rebuke the devil. Go ahead and do what you want to. Rebuke all the devils you want to. Go ahead and pray for God to move this. Till God gets through with this thing, it ain't going anywhere. Because God's ordained it. God sent it. God established it. And he stood the world still to bring his people together in one mind, in one accord, for the body of Christ to seek him. I ain't heard anybody else give direction and wisdom like this in all the preaching I've listened to. But God give peace he give direction. He give wisdom. He told you how to focus your prayers. People there was telling me, Brother Miller, we're going to prayer. According to uh, Second Chronicles 7.14, I said, ain't going to do you no good. We mean it ain't going to do us no good. I said, you go ahead and pray. Yeah, people need to repent. Yeah, people need to humble themselves. They need to pray and seek God's face. I said, but until the Lord has accomplished what he wants to accomplish out of this plague, I said, it ain't going nowhere. I said, God put it here. It's not of the devil. God put it here. Where in history has God ever stopped the whole world? Where in history has the whole world stood still? And God brought his body together, tried to bring his body together in a spirit of prayer in one mind and one accord. It's never happened before. But God done it this time, but many people ignored it. You didn't listen. Uh, you just tried to get through this. You're still walking around. In a fog, you're still walking around in fear. And it's like I say, I prophesied. He said, darkness has covered the earth in gross darkness of people. Boy, if there ain't a darkness on people, and darkness means ignorance of spiritual things. People have no idea what the Spirit of God's doing. They're, they're, all these prophets are prof, popping up. They're, they're on Facebook. They're on YouTube. They're all over the podcast. And they're popping up. They're prophesying this and that. People say, well, you better listen to this. better listen to that. And somebody sent me a, a video of a prophet prophesying. I just texted him back. I said, you know that man? No. Never heard of him. I said, you know his works? No. You know his life? No. You know what he preaches? No. Then why do you want people to listen to him? You better be listening to a proven ministry. You better be listening to a word that's established by the hand in the name of the Lord and what they've spoken come to pass. And they're teaching people to walk up right before God. I put a, a video out on a warning from the Lord and warn people, you better be careful what you're listening to in these days because many of you are going to get let off track. When people get desperate, they get scared, they get panicky, they'll listen to anything the enemy sets in front of them. And I'm not worried about this being a fight over our uh, religious liberties. Uh, there may be some things get stirred up over it, but keep your focus. On the oneness, keep your focus on the unity, keep your focus on praying for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Don't get caught up in your emotions. And if it, if that fight comes, then we'll fight that fight. But right now, we just need God to loose our economy. We need God to get things back on track so we can get back to having church. But the thing that scares me is a lot of people have gotten out of church. They started watching live stream, and it's got them loose, it's got them slack, and it's especially got people to the place that won't give. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't care if you're in church or out of church. God's blessing you. You better be honoring God with your tithe and your offering. You better be giving God to keep the word that's feeding your soul and helping you fight through this. You better be keeping it alive. 
Because there ain't many things out there right now that's keeping people alive and helping them. And I know people have told me this word has been a great strength. It's been a great help. Uh, we have our uh, short videos on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And my wife is doing uh, videos now on uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. We have the podcast uh, on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. You can you can listen to those when you can't watch. So I've been doing my best to put the word out there to keep people strong, to keep them encouraged, to keep them in a dedication and seeking God. But it's time for us to realize that God is beginning to restore the faith. He's beginning to take us back to the working of the Spirit that he poured out on the day of Pentecost. Now, I want you to pay attention to this word in Joel 2.25. And he says this, And I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, the cankerworm and the caterpillar and the pommel worm, my great army which I sent among you. And I don't know how many years ago it was, but the Lord spoke to me about this. He said the locust, the cankerworm, the caterpillar, the pommel worm, he said they are the doctrines and traditions of men. He said that has crept into the church and has stripped the church down to where she is now powerless. When God poured the Holy Ghost out on the day of Pentecost, the devil immediately began to war against that power and that faith and that working of God's Spirit until he has brought in so many men's doctrines and traditions over the years. They might have been sincere, but the majority of them were in error. You may not like that. I can't help that. But it's brought the church from the book of Acts in authority and power and dominion to where it is today. And I'm going to tell you something. Church today is dead. You say what you want to. It's dead. It's powerless. It's weak. It's watered down. You might have a healing here and there, a miracle here and there, but you don't have the move of God that you have in the book of Acts church. Why Philip, one of the deacons, and Stephen, I'm sorry, Philip was an evangelist. Stephen, one of the deacons, the Bible said, was full of, full of faith and power, and he went about doing great miracles. One of the deacons. Not the pastor, not the evangelist, uh, not the teacher, not the apostle and the prophet, but a deacon was full of faith and power, and he done great miracles, and uh, the established church, or the established senate there in Israel, saw what was happening and how people was following after in this move of God, and, and they plotted and put him to death to try to stop what God was doing. So, uh God is now beginning to restore. He's beginning to bring back what this canker worm, caterpillar, pommel worm, locust, all this is the doctrines and traditions of men that has crept into the church for the last, uh, you might say, 2,000 years and weakened it and watered it down and put all these do's and don'ts on people. But God is now going to move these do's and don'ts. When the Lord gave me that, vision of the eclipse, the solar eclipse in, in August of 2017, and I saw that moon begin to move in to block the sun, and as it began to move in and block the sun, the Lord spoke to me. He said, I'm going to tear down, pull, pluck up, pull down, destroy all these old doctrines and teachings, and when it got full and it stayed there just a few seconds, and it started out the other side, and I saw new light to come in. The Lord said, I'm going to bring in new doctrines, new teachings, new understanding and wisdom of my word and my power. He said, 
uh, to bring my people forward in the working of my spirit. And I'm going to tell you, ever since that time, God has been revealing himself. I mean, God, since uh, August of 2017, has really revealed himself in so many ways. And we're just on the tail end of this thing, children. We're just on the tail end of this thing. But what you uh, need to understand, and I want to bring this out, I hope I get this to where you can understand this. But it was the first of the year. Uh, I think it was December the 29th. Uh, could have been, uh, I know the word of the Lord come to me on the 29th, could have been on the 21st, but the Lord, uh, took me into a dream. I saw a dream. I'm not going to go into it, but as I come out of that dream, the Lord spoke two words to me. He, he spoke the word reveal and the word manifest. And he showed me the word of God was written in two stages. It was written in a reveal stage and it was written in a manifest stage and the majority of what Jesus preached and taught was written in a manifested stage because the years that we don't know anything about him from the time he was 12 to the time he was 30, that was the revealing stage of his life where the wisdom, knowledge, understanding, all that God was preparing him for in ministry was done in those years. And that was when the word of God was revealed in him. Well, when it come time for it to manifest, he just stepped out there and God began to work in him because it had already been revealed to him of how to operate, what to do, how to be led by the Spirit. And that's what he done in that wilderness when he went in there for 40 days after he was filled with the Holy Ghost. So just getting full of the Holy Ghost, don't do it. Jesus went into the wilderness and for 40 days he, he sought God and everything that was revealed in him Begin to come alive. It begin to take hold of him. It begin to come to fruition in him. And when he come out of that wilderness, the Bible said, and he returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. That's Luke four fourteen. Then he went in the temple in the eighteenth verse and it sat down. And they brought unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And he opened the place in the book of the prophet Isaiah and stood up for to read. And he said, and the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me. That's what people are missing. People have uh, had the word of God preached to them for years and they've been taught, well, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power. You just go out there and start casting out devils, healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers. Won't work. You've tried it, you know it won't work. The very reason it won't work, it's not been revealed in you. It's not been revealed in you. There's wisdom and knowledge and understanding how the power of God works and how this faith works and it's not been revealed in you. What God began to show me after he spoke to me about that reveal and that manifest, he said the word of God has a maturity that it has to come to. I said, Brother Matter, what are you talking about? I said, the word of God has a maturity that it has to come to. Have you not ever read the word where it says... And this was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, so the prophet Jeremiah. This was the fulfilling of the word that was spoken by this prophet or that prophet. That means the word came to maturity. It was fulfilled. It come to the time it could mature. And there's a lot of things written in that New Testament. There's a lot of things that the apostles revealed in mysteries that they wrote it in a manifestation stage that it has not yet come to pass. And 
Uh, I'll give you a good example. One example is 2 Corinthians 5.17. Buddy, we've all preached it. Everybody's shouted about it. They glorified God over it. And it hadn't happened. Not like it's written. It happened. Okay, 2 Corinthians. I quote it, but I'm going to get over here and read it. 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Did something happen to me when I got saved? Yes, it did. Did something happen to me when I received the Spirit of Christ in me? Yes, it did. Did all things old leave me? No, they didn't. Because I still war with my flesh every day. I still war with this carnal mind. I still have to wrestle with it, war with it. The flesh lusts against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. But I found out one thing. The more I pray, the more I seek God, the more I submit myself to God, the more I yield myself over to the working of the Spirit, the weaker the flesh is. And that's why the Bible says, if you walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust or the desires of the flesh. If you walk in the Spirit, well, doesn't matter how do you walk in the Spirit. The word walk means occupy things pertaining to So if you do things pertaining to God, if you are in prayer, if you are in study, if you are in uh, living by the word and practicing living by the word and doing your best to live uh, by the principles of the Christian teachings, then uh, your flesh is going to get weak and it's going to back way off from you. And uh, depending on what you put in your mind, you know, Titus told us in Titus, uh, chapter 2 and verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we can live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. But people want to put everything in their mind. They want to let all the lust of the flesh, the carnal desires, the uh, fantasies that Satan brings into your mind, sexual lust, all kind of desires, all kind of habits, everything your flesh wants to do. And you want to feed on that 10 hours a day. And then you want to turn around and serve God. No work. You've got to learn to discipline your minds. The Bible says, and I believe it's 2 Timothy 1 and 7, for the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That word sound there means a discipline, a self-disciplined mind. Isaiah 26 and 3 plainly says, The man whose mind is stayed upon the Lord, I will keep him in perfect peace because he trusts in me. Many of you out there have no peace. You say you're serving God, you say you love God, you say you're walking with God, but you live in torment, misery, aggravation, vexation, upsetness, and you will not separate yourself from the things that causes this vexation in your spirit. When you come to God, there are things you have to put out of your life. It may not happen immediately, but as you walk with God and God deals with you, you have to put things out of your life. You may have to put some people out of your life. Uh, uh, y'all don't want to do this, so you're going to have to live in your misery, your anguish, your upsetness, because if you do what it takes to really walk with God and keep your mind, stay upon the Lord, he said, I'll keep you in perfect peace. Is that what he said? He said, I'll keep you in perfect peace. He also talked about when your ways please him, he will cause your enemies to be at peace with you. He said, Brother Metter, I don't have no enemies. Well, if you're not at peace, you got something. If you're not walking in, in confidence and faith and strength of the Spirit of God, then you've got to have some enemies somewhere. And the Lord said, when your ways please me, I'll cause even your enemies to be at peace with you. He said, but if you don't, he said, you keep doing the things you're doing. In Isaiah 63, he said there was a day that he turned and became their enemy. I don't want God being my enemy. 
But I'm going to go back to where I was uh, because as the Lord began to speak to me about restoring these years uh, in Joel 2.25. And it's just like the Lord locked that in my spirit. And he said, I showed you in the beginning of the year the word revealed and the word manifest. He said, this faith that I'm restoring, he said, and I'm bringing back the gifts, the power, the anointing, the operation of the Spirit. Uh, I begin to wonder myself, do I have what it takes? Do I have this kind of faith? Do I have what I need? For this kind of move to come in my life. And the Lord just stopped me there in the middle of my meditation. He said, you don't have it because I haven't restored it. He said, this kind of faith was in the early church. This kind of faith came in under the former reign. This kind of faith was given to the early church. That's the reason he said in Jude 1 and 3, when I uh, gave he to write unto you of the common salvation, I felt with all diligence that I needed to write and exhort you to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. We need this faith restored, but it's kind of a catch-22. We don't have it, and we're not going to be able to get it until God starts restoring it, but God's not going to start restoring it until we start pressing to bring us back to the faith and bring us into the unity of the faith and uh, as I pressed on the Lord, I think it was Tuesday the 14th uh, of April, the Lord spoke into my spirit and he said, the faith that I delivered to the saints, he said, you don't know what it is. I said, well, okay then. He said, you have the premise of it. You know the outline of it. You got notations and different events that happened in the book of Acts and showed you my power and my glory. But as far as the doctrine that they live by, he said, you don't know what it is. He said, therefore, because of the corruption and the pollution of man's teaching, he said, a perverted and polluted gospel has been put forth to my people, and I will now begin to bring forth pure doctrine. I'm now going to bring it forth. Why? He's restoring. He's restoring the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And, man, you talk about pastors. You talk about evangelists. You talk about teachers. Man, men will, amen you. They'll, they'll jump. They'll shout. They'll praise God. But you talk about apostles and prophets. Well, wait a minute, Brother Matter. There ain't no apostles and prophets anymore. Really? You're doing away with a large part of your foundation. You're doing away with a large part of what God established in the church in the beginning on the day of Pentecost. And when you look at 1 Corinthians 12, 28, and it says, For God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. That's what God said. God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. You can't do it away with the administration. You can't do away with the government. That's what's wrong with the church now. They've written the the mainstay of the government out of their belief, and there's nobody really spiritually leading the church. There's nobody really spiritually is guiding, I'm talking about the true church, uh, into what God wants them to do. 
I mean, I know people with anointings and gifts and callings in their life, but they don't know what to do because they have no leadership. And if you go back to me, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, and I'm going to start at verse 4, or I'll just go up and start at verse 1. Don't give me just a second here. Because when it comes to spiritual gifts, it's what Paul set up here in First Corinthians 12 and 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. I would not have you without spiritual knowledge or in spiritual darkness concerning the gifts of the Spirit. And then he goes on and says, you know that you were Gentiles, carried away under these dumb idols, even as you were led. Well, people are going to follow the leading. That's why you got to be so careful the leadership you follow. And I've warned people. And people's gotten upset with me, saying, well, Brother Better, we didn't know uh, that calamities were coming. We didn't know that we needed to have three months of food and water put back. I said, you should have. I said, I've been preaching it to, since 2009. And I said, when it hit, you wasn't prepared. You panicked. You got scared. And just like these, all these other people going out of these stores trying to buy uh, 587 rolls of toilet paper and paper towels and and stock up on food. And I said, you emptied the shelves out and put everything in a bind. And you're still doing it because you're scared. And the Lord spoke in that prophecy last April. He said a spirit of fear would take people over. He said, but my people would walk in confidence and faith. And there wouldn't be any fear. I have not been afraid since the first day this thing came into being. I've been praying, seeking God. And when the word of the Lord came to me on March 22nd, God told me what I was doing. Put a perfect peace in me. And we went into prayer seeking God. And we've been seeking God. And I think this prayer of these 30 days of intense prayer ends the next day or two, depending on when you started. Tuesday, my wife said, which will be the 21st uh, of April. And God spoke to us on the 22nd of March to get in 30 days of intense or fervent prayer, pressing and seeking God. And I'm going to tell you, we've been pressing God. We have been pressing God, and I pressed him harder last night, and I think I pressed him in years, but the spirit man took over. The Holy Ghost in me began to cry out for the revealing, and it was it was all the spirit praying, but I could tell that my spirit was praying for the revealing of the Christ. It's time for Christ to be revealed and brought forth and manifest, not just not just the wisdom and knowledge of him. He's been doing that for 48 years. I've never received the manifestation of him. But I'm going on with this in verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 12. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. Now, your administration is your government offices. That's just like what we have. Uh, and the Lord set it up, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And he put these according to Ephesians 4 and 11. He gave those offices. Then 4.12, he says, for the perfecting of the saints. That is the maturing and the completing of the saints. Uh, in Christ. That's your maturity in Christ. That's the completion of the work of Christ. So these five offices were put there for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. And all you've had in the ministry working is pastors, evangelists, and teachers. You can't do that. It's out of order. It's not complete. It won't give you the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding that you need. And it sure won't reveal the mysteries 
because the mysteries are only revealed by the the apostles and prophets. If you go back to Amos, I think it's 3 and verse 7, the Lord said, I will do nothing save I reveal my secrets or my mysteries unto my servants, the prophets. So if y'all want God to do something in these last days and you don't have prophets, God can't do anything in these last days because he said the Lord will do nothing save he revealeth his mysteries or his secrets unto his servants, the prophets. So we're hanging ourselves up by trying to do away with two foundational ministries that belong. And besides that, Paul said in Ephesians 2 and 20, we are built on the foundation of the apostle and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Well, Brother Matter, we can have uh, Jesus without apostles and prophets. Yeah, but you can't have the revealing of him. You can't have the mysteries revealed. You can't have uh, what Paul wrote, what Peter wrote. You can't have from Acts forward in the New Testament that you would relate to or refer to because every one of those are epistles and they're mysteries and they're things God gave that have to be spiritually discerned and spiritually revealed. They're spiritually written and you'll never figure them out in the carnal mind. So if you want to do without the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, what are you going to do with the book of Revelation? The book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It was written by the Apostle John, but it was spiritually written and it was spiritually discerned. And there's probably thousands of books written about the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ. Men still don't know what it means. Because it's got to be discerned by the Spirit. It's got to be revealed by a holy apostle and a holy prophet. Because that's how it was written. He said, I reveal my mysteries. You look at Ephesians 3 and 3. Paul said, I wrote a few uh, a few words. He said, in the mysteries, he said, which God has revealed he said they've been kept hidden from the foundation of the world, but he's now revealing them unto his apostles and prophets. God don't reveal the mysteries of God to evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He will give them a good word. He will give them strength to lead, to guide, to help, to get you grounded, to help keep you grounded. But And the evangelists go out and souls. But the apostles need to be there to establish the church, found it, set up the government in the local church. And the prophets need to be there as the eyes of the church to keep God's people from going off course and shipwrecking. And the Bible plainly tells you prophecies for the edifying of the church. So uh, if the church is not going to be edified, uh, what are you going to do? The Bible said prophecies for the edifying of the church. The gift of prophecy does not edify you. The gift of prophecy may minister things in your life. But it's not, it's that spirit of that prophet that speaks to edify the church and keep it on track. And there may be somebody with a gift of prophecy can tell you some things, but there's a big difference between the spirit of prophecy and the, the gift of prophecy. And I'm not, I'm not taking time to get into that right now. But here in verse 4, Paul said, but there are no diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. In verse 5, there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. So your administrations are your offices. It's your leadership ministries, and your apostles and prophets are your leadership ministries. You look at the book of Acts when the Holy Ghost fell. It said the great signs and wonders and miracles were done by the hands of the apostles. It wasn't done by any other ministry. It was done by the hands of the apostles. And then uh, Stephen, uh, you know, God anointed him. So, uh, but for the most part, you've got your apostles' ministry. And your prophet's ministry, the great signs and wonders. And the Lord told me, he said, there would be many people have healings and miracles. He said, but, he said, the apostles and prophets will be the ones that do exploits. 
I said, Lord, what's an exploit? He said, causing the sun to stand still, calling fire down from heaven, parting the waters. He said, multiplying the uh, uh, loaves and fishes, putting butter in the fish. He said, creating miracles of what happens in the hands of the apostles and prophets. And Daniel said, I see a people that do know their God and they shall be strong and do exploits. So uh, administrations of your government, and to give you a better idea of what I'm talking about, uh, stop and think of our government, our administration, uh, and look at it as we're operating without our president and vice president. Just look at our government, the mess, uh, look at the mess it's in. But if you take away the president and the vice president, who's going to lead? Who's going to lead, children? You have people fighting and carrying on. Uh, I remember when President Reagan got shot, and I think Alexander Haig, I believe was his name, was the Secretary of State. I think it was that time, and he went to the hospital, and he stepped up and said, well, I'm in charge right now. That was totally out of constitutional order. But see, he was scared. He was panicked. He didn't know what to say. He was trying to calm the people down. And so he was trying, you know, make sure the people realize somebody's in charge when it wasn't his place because that wasn't his office. But you, you think of the mess our government would be in if we didn't have a president and a vice president. Well, that's the way it's in spiritually. So ask yourself, who's leading? Who's leading God's people? Right now, God's people being led by pastors. Oh, there's some prophets out there that people, uh, they may pay attention to, but there's really nothing like the book of Acts. And this is what we've got to come back to. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one spirit, one body, one God, who is the Father of all, through all, and in us all. And so I said all that to tell you or try to explain to you that the Word of God has to come to a maturity. And that scripture that I read to you in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it hasn't come to maturity yet. The Lord spoke about it here a couple of months ago and said it's not come to maturity. He said, but he said, as I come in with this restoring, he said, you're going to see people changed according to that scripture. You're going to see people become new creatures in Christ Jesus. It's not that it's not right and it's not real, but there's a season and there's a timing for the word of God to come to maturity. And we come to that place now as I was praying last night. I heard the Spirit speak two or three times that we had entered into a season of manifestation of the power of God. We've entered into that season. But uh, you're not going to have this faith and you're not going to have the restoring and see what God is doing now. I know people I've ministered to that are called to the ministry of apostles. I know people I've ministered to that are called to the uh, calling in the office of a prophet and a pastor and an evangelist. So God is now beginning to refine and define their lives. And as he does that, and he brings especially these apostles and prophets to maturity and to the forefront, he is restoring the faith. He is restoring what's been taken away. He is restoring the working of the Spirit and the leadership because it doesn't matter what God gives you in the Spirit. If you don't know what to do with it, you're still walking in confusion. If you don't know what to do with it and how to operate in it, you're still walking in confusion. And just like I said, there's people I know. They're called of God. They've got gifts in their life. 
and they don't know what to do with it. They don't know how to operate in it. Um, there's people that's come to me and said, Brother Matter, I'm going to go start a church. I said, ain't your place to start a church. God didn't ordain you to start churches. God ordained you to evangelize. Well, Brother Matter, God spoke to me, I'm a pastor. Okay, get in prayer and pray and see where God wants that church and then go talk to an apostle and get that apostle to pray with you and get that apostle to help you get that church established if it's the mind and will of God. And if it is, then he can ordain the elders in that church and set it in God's divine order. I know some of you don't like this, but God's got a divine order and the government cannot operate in the condition it's in. Therefore, we cannot operate under God's divine order till we get this thing restored. And we need it restored. Are y'all following with me? I said, we need this restored. And uh, I don't care how you've operated in the past. You know, uh, what I preached a couple of weeks ago, uh, and I know I just put two videos up Thursday and Friday night on the Apostles' Doctrine here on our YouTube channel. And when I preached this a couple of weeks ago, uh, I guess it was last Sunday or uh, Wednesday week or whenever it was, the Lord spoke to me on Sunday night, uh, the 12th of April, and he said that the new thing that I've been speaking to you about for 10 years, he said, is now moving forth in the earth. So I preached on the Apostles' Doctrine on uh, Wednesday, I think it was the 8th of April, and then last Sunday, the 12th, I preached on the Spirit of the man Christ Jesus is the Holy Ghost. And late that night, the Lord told me that the new thing was being brought forth in the earth. And he said that the word that you have preached is both doctrinal and it's foundational to what I'm doing now. So I'll stand here and tell you, I don't care what the church has taught you in the past. God's leaving that. That dispensation's over. There's a lot of good men who preach a lot of good things in sincerity, but it's been wrong according to the working of the Spirit of God that he's bringing forth now. It might have been good for the season. But we're coming into maturity. We're coming into the more perfectness of God's word. Did you not ever read in uh, 1 Corinthians 13? I believe it starts in verse 6 uh, where Paul said, you know in part? Let me turn over to it. Verse 8, 1 Corinthians 13, 8. Charity never faileth, but where there be prophecies, they shall fail. Where there be tongues, they shall cease. Where there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. What was the Lord telling Paul? That everything that's been done in part, everything that you've understood in part, is now fixed to be done away with because it wasn't done in maturity. It was done in the wisdom and knowledge you had. But we've only walked in an earnest. We only walked in a measure, a portion of the Spirit. Now there's a fuller measure. I know two or three years ago I preached on that the, the former rain that God had poured out had to come to its fullness, had to come to a maturity. Yeah. Because it only operated in part. Are y'all following what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, somebody sent me a vision that uh, Maria Woodworth Edder had, and she spoke the same thing. Uh, uh, back around 1913 or somewhere in there, she said that that there was a fullness of the former reigns of the Holy Ghost fixing to be fulfilled and come to pass because it only been ministered in part. So you stop and and, and, and what I've heard people say here lately, let that sink in. Yeah. Let that sink in. So, 
He said, where there be tongues, they're going to cease. See, what y'all don't understand is the gifts of the Spirit are to bring the church to maturity. Once the church comes to maturity, you ain't going to need these gifts. Once it comes to perfection and grows up, you know, your mom and daddy may correct you, chastise you, spank your backside, teach you. But when you grow up and become a man or a woman and you become a mom and dad on your own, you step out in your own right, you don't need your mom and daddy always correcting you and telling you what you're doing wrong. They may do it because they're always going to look at you as their little girl, their little boy, but you come to maturity. You've learned by their teaching. So the gifts will bring you to maturity. And that's why Paul said they're going to vanish away. These prophecies will cease. These tongues will cease. Uh, for we know in part. We prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. And just what I said here in verse 11, Paul said, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I fought as a child, but when I become a man, I put away childish things. So what Paul's saying here, when the perfection or the maturity or the completeness of Christ has come to the body, then all these things will be done away with, they'll be done in part. There is a maturity, there is a unity and a maturity of the faith that Paul talked about in Ephesians uh, I gave you 4.11, I gave you 4.12. 4.12 says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And then he goes on and says, till we all come into unity of the faith, the faith, one faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or a mature, complete man, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. That, that word measure of statue, if you look it up, it means coming to the same maturity in fullness of years that Christ came to. So you're going to come to that same maturity. You're going to come to that same place because Romans tells you you're heirs with God and joint heirs or equal heirs with Christ, not Jesus, the resurrected Christ. So the unity of the faith is that we come to the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. And that's Ephesians 4.13. And then when you get there and you go to 14, it says that would be henceforth no more children. So Paul said when you get here, you're no more children. Tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. So we need to grow up, children. God is putting this thing so we can grow up. He's bringing the restoring of this faith. So we'll come in and be prepared for this latter reign of the Holy Ghost. So, uh, Paul went on and talked about putting away childish things. And I think it was July, somewhere around the 15th, 2015, I was at the church in Fort Payne's a Wednesday night. I'd have to look the date up. But I was sitting in the office studying. The Lord gave me the scripture uh, in Joel 2, where I just read to you from about, uh, he said, I'll give you the rain, the former and the latter rain in the first month. God spoke to me at a new beginning. And then he took me down here to verse 10 of 1 Corinthians 13. When that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. He said, the knowledge of that which is perfect has come. So, in other words, he started revealing that which is perfect in July of 2015. And here, five years later, he's getting ready now to manifest. Because he, he told us last year on April 25th, he said, I'm bringing you, he said, you've entered in to the restitution of all things. He said, that night, that night is what he spoke. He said, you have entered into 
the restitution of all things. So we need to pay attention to what God's telling us. Because I know just as well as I'm standing here that some of you just going to float along. you waiting to get back to normal. And I've tried to tell people there is no normal. There is no normal anymore. There is no normal. And we don't need to be hindering the Holy One of Israel. And I've got that scripture in these notes, Psalm 78, 40 and 41. said, How often did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Quit limiting God. Some of y'all are, because I'm telling you there's a restoring of what happened on the day of Pentecost, y'all want it to be another day of Pentecost. You want the same tongues. You want the uh, you want to hold on to the old doctrine that tongues is evidence of the Holy Ghost being in you, and it's not. Fruit of the Spirit is evidence. You don't have one scripture that says Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues is evidence that he's in you. It's not in there. It's a doctrine that man has slipped in. Uh, and people have sworn by it. They'll fight you over it. Well, you go ahead and fight, but you ain't got one ounce of Scripture to back you up. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, tongues is given as a sign, not evidence. There's a big difference between a sign and evidence. You may, uh, you go down the road and you see a, a sign that shows you a road turns off to the right. That's a sign that that road turns off to the right and they say dead end. You turn down that road, you don't see that dead end until you get down there and hit that dead end. That's evidence. That's evidence. The other's just a sign that it could be there. So there's a difference between a sign and evidence. So I'm not going to fight with you over it. I'm not going to argue with you. But you go ahead and just keep going. And where you're at, just keep rocking along uh, in, in what's going on in you. And let the church stay dead another 50, 60 years. And I'm going to go over to Jeremiah, and I'm going to bring this scripture in, and I'm not going to be a whole lot longer. And this is Jeremiah 8, uh, and this is verse, I'm going to be beginning at verse 19. In Jeremiah 8, 19, it said, Behold, the voice of the cry of the daughter of my people, because of them that dwell in a far country. Is not the Lord in Zion? Is not her king in her? Let me ask you a question. Is God in you? Is the Christ in you? Is your king in you? Why have they provoked me to anger with graven images and strange vanities? The harvest is past. The summer is ended and we are not saved. For the hurt of the daughter of my people am I hurt. I am black. Astonishment had taken hold on me. Is there no balm? In Gilead or Gilead, however you want to pronounce it. I've preached this many a time on the evangelistic field. Where is the balm? Where's the healing balm that belongs in the church? Why is healing and deliverance not in the church? We quote the scripture. We say we believe in the stripes of Jesus, but yet I've never seen the church so sick, so confused, so divided, so dead. I've never seen it in the mess it's in. And right now she's in a critical stage. We are in the most critical stage the church has been in since right before God visited at Pentecost. And we need an act of God. But it's not going to come the way people want it to come. It's not going to come in the manifestation. They want to come to you. Put God in this little box and you think he pours out his spirit like he did on the day of Pentecost. It's got to be the same manifestation. No, it don't. No, it don't. You say, well, Brother Matter, they spoke in tongues. Yeah, they did. 
So when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you speak in tongues. Really, y'all read the Gospels and find where Jesus was filled with the Holy Ghost after John baptized him and, and show me the scripture where it says he talked in tongues. I know people don't like this, but we've got a lot of things out of order and we've got a lot of pollution in a pure doctrine and it's got to be God out. So you need to quit trying to lock God down to the mindset you formed for him to restore spirit and restore all things. You need to quit expecting God to pour out the Holy Ghost and you talk in tongues like it happened on the day of Pentecost. There can be a manifestation of God's spirit, wisdom, power, and authority enter into you and you never speak in tongues the first time. The Bible says in Luke 4.14, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Uh, we don't know what happened those 40 days in the wilderness, but there's no evidence that when he received the Holy Ghost that he talked in tongues all through his ministry and the devils he cast out. Every miracle he done, there's no evidence. The only time I know that he spoke in tongues is when he spoke to the deaf uh, and dumb person. I think he said Ephata, which being interpreted, uh, I think I got it right, is be opened. And then the little girl, uh, Jairus' daughter that was laying dead, when he walked in, he looked at her and he said, Tulufakuma! Which is, I say unto thee, made arise. That's only two times. Because you can't, you can't trace them back in Hebrew. You can't trace them back in Greek. Go ahead and try. I've tried. It's in there, I've missed it. So you show it to me and I'll tell you I was wrong. But that was the Spirit speaking. That was the Spirit speaking and we cried out hanging on the cross. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which being interpreted, when it says which being interpreted, that means it has to be interpreted by the Spirit. The Spirit had to interpret it because it wasn't natural human language. That's the reason he didn't know what he said, but he cried out to the Father because when he became sin, the Father had to turn his face away from him and for the first time in Jesus' life, the presence of the Father wasn't there. So, it's not just going around speaking in tongues. God can manifest wisdom, knowledge, understanding, fill you with the Holy Ghost. There doesn't have to be speaking in tongues. But there is that kingdom, that authority, that dominion of God that will come take its abode in you. So here, Jeremiah is saying, where's the bomb? Where's the working of God's spirit? The harvest is past, the summer's ended. Ain't nobody saved. Ain't nobody saved. Ain't no move of God. Are y'all hearing me? But when I got in prayer last night, I mean almost immediately, man, the Spirit hit me. And when Spirit hits me like that, I can't be quiet. In Romans 8, verse 19, For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth, for the manifestation of the sons of God. I've been waiting on something. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Some of y'all don't even know what that means. You never searched it out. But I'm going to be delivered from the corruption of this flesh. And I'm not talking about when I go to heaven. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about I'm going to be delivered from this carnal mind. I'm going to be delivered. That's another. My wife's done some teaching on the vision the Lord gave her of David slaying Goliath on that stone sunk in his forehead. You need to go back a couple of days. or it was I think it was this week. She, she posted these. There's some coming out. 
next week, and she's teaching on how to slay the carnal mind. You don't have to live with a carnal mind. You can slay it. And there's teaching for it. The Lord told her there was. He gave her that vision. So you go back and check that out, and you can come out of this bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Now, I've been in travail. I know what travail is. Last night was not travail. Last night was not travail. Last night was like a groaning of the Holy Ghost. It was fighting. It was wrestling. It was warring for the Christ to be revealed and come forth. And not only they, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves grow within ourselves, waiting for the adoption. To wit, the redemption of the body. Now, I've ministered on this. My soul has been redeemed, but my body has not. My body has not been redeemed. But when I'm fully adopted, when those adoption papers are fully implemented and signed by my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I will become an heir with God and a joint heir with Christ. I will be made equal with him, and this body will be redeemed. The sickness, the disease, the carnality, it, it'll leave Whenever God chooses to do that. And I think he's going to do it to some of us down here. Everything ain't going to be in heaven. God's going to have a people that's going to serve him as kings and priests right here on this earth for a thousand years. So there's something in me groaning and waiting for the adoption to take place. I'm waiting for that manifestation. It's different than travail. You may not have ever heard anybody talk about this, but this is different from travail. And what I feel like the Lord began to put in me was Matthew 11 and 12. And it says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence. And the violent take it by force. I felt like the Holy Ghost in me was trying to take the kingdom yes. by force last night. It's definitely time for the kingdom of God to be revealed in the earth. But know that we have entered the restitution or the restoring of all things. And uh, new doctrine, new tradition, new teaching, new working of the Spirit, it's coming in. Some of you will never be a part of this. You'll never see it. You'll never hear it. You'll never understand it because you don't want it. You're satisfied. You're at ease inside. You've got what you want. That's good. I don't. And I'm going to press God. Uh, I'm going to be like a burr under a saddle. I'm going to press God. He's going to know I'm there until he finally gets tired and visits me. He's going to get tired of me hearing him like that widow woman. Lord, eventually in my adversary. He's going to get tired of me praying. And finally the Lord said, he said, talking about that unjust judge in Luke 18, he said, I don't fear God and I don't regard man. He said, because of this widow's continual coming, she wearies me. So he turned and avenged her of her adversary. I don't know how long I'm going to press God. The Lord said, though my only let cry day and night. He said, I may listen to him. I may let him cry day and night. He said, but when I come, he said, I'm going to come speedily. I'm going to come speedily. So there is a deliverance. There is an act. There is a moving. But you've got to be ready. You know, the scripture my son brought out in our Bible study last Wednesday night uh, in Hebrews 10, 
Uh, and I know it starts in verse 35, I believe is what he said. Uh, it says, cast not away therefore your confidence, which has a great recompense of reward, that after you've done the will of God, you have need of patience. Uh, yeah, cast not away therefore your confidence, which has great recompense of reward, for you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. That's Hebrews 10, 35 and 36. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. So he said, the Lord told him, he said, I'm coming. He said, I'm not going to tarry. He said, but people that ain't ready. He said, I've been patient. I've waited for people to get ready. God's wooed us. God's told us. God's pleaded with us. God's begged us. God's let things come to shake us up. We hadn't paid any attention. So he said, now when I come, those of you that ain't ready, you're going to miss. Because I'm not going to tarry. I'm not going to tarry. So as we close, I'm going to encourage you, please. The churches have been down for about a month now. Please do not let up on your giving. Those of you that's let up on your giving, please make up. A lot of you have received the stimulus check. Some of you got put $1,200 in your hand. Uh, you're still working. Some of you still working. Those of you on Social Security, you've been given a, a benefit of $1,200, most of you. Uh, honor God with it. Don't let, by, don't let up on your tithes and offerings, children. And take part of that and give us a mission offer and help us go to Africa in October. We're already setting up the dates to go. We're going to be gone probably almost a month. And we're going to have four major crusades. I'm looking forward to what God's doing because everywhere I've ever been and ministered like this, God's opened blind eyes, deaf ears, dumb tongues, healed the lame, saved folks by the hundreds and into the thousands. And I'm looking for the same thing that happened because I figure by October, I'm going to be walking in a great manifestation and a revealing of the Christ being brought forth in in our lives. And there's four of us going, all four of us. God's bringing us into ministries. We're giving us capabilities, gifts, anointings. So we need your help. But please stand with the churches. That's This is the danger of the churches being shut down doing live stream. People get lazy and just want to watch on live stream. Now when the churches open back up, there'll be people just stay at home watching on live stream. There'll be people that Quit giving. Quit honoring God. Well, somewhere when you do, it's going to backfire on you. Rest assured. I've taught people for 48 years to be steadfast in their giving, steadfast in their praying, steadfast in their seeking God, steadfast in their relationship and their walk with God and try to live right and do right. And I said, be consistent. When you're consistent and you walk through something like this nation's walk through, then God will keep you and he'll order your steps. But look right down the right-hand corner of your screen. You'll see the barcode there, the QR code. Scan that and use it to send us an offering. It's a cash out. Don't cost you anything. Don't cost us anything. Uh, some of these cash outs, they'll take a percentage out. Well, this one doesn't take anything out. So if you want to do this or if you just want to look right across the bottom of your screen uh, and see the mailing address scrolling across the bottom of your screen, that's fine, too. But please make all donations to World Revivals Incorporated uh, and help us. We need your help because i got a lot to do.
We need new equipment right now in Fort Payne, Alabama. Some of the equipment we uh, used in Fort Payne, we started the church. I had in the 90s on the field. Some of it we're still using. A lot of it we replaced, but we still need a computer system there that will give us the ability to live stream. Brother Michael and Sister Patty Harris need to start live streaming. They're getting ready to start live streaming. We need computer. Uh, we was able to get things set up with a camera with a few components will do really good. I need a good headset. Uh, the headsets I've had when I'm preaching, I will be back on the field preaching. And I need a good headset. Everything we're uh, looking at is probably five to $600 for a good headset microphone. Now that I've got my hands free, I want to keep them free. So, Please, if this broadcast is blessing you, these podcasts are blessing you, if these short videos are strengthening you, honor God in your giving. Honor God with an offering to help keep this on the air. It takes finance. So uh, do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. Brother, they don't believe in paying times. Well, then go to Proverbs 3. Honor the Lord with your substance, and with the first fruit all you increase. Do it that way. Go to Luke where it says, Give and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, running over good measure. Do it that way. So may God bless you. I pray this word was a strength. I pray it give you great insight and understanding to what God is doing uh, in the restitution of all things. Because these things aren't just happening, children. There have been visions after vision after vision after dream after prophecy after prophecy that God's fulfilling right now. He's bringing in the dispensation of the fullness of times. What I was raised in, you're raised in, it's over with, it's dead. God told me it wasn't December 2018. But if I get wound up in that, I'm going to be preaching another hour. So we love you. Thank you for watching. Please let us hear from you. And may God bless you. Till our next broadcast.